0: Welcome to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast, where our goal is to engage and inform our audience. From investors, to asset managers and portfolio managers, to sustainability leaders and those involved in ESG and sustainable finance. I'm Kisa Shreen. Today, we're going to get a 360-degree view of the sustainability bond market and the latest changes in this space, as well as the key trends we expect to see in 2021. To help us with this topic, we have with us Dana Villanova, Executive Director at IHS Market, covering business development and ESG-related initiatives in the Global Markets Group. Dana joined IHS Market in October after co-founding and serving as COO of Kestrel Verifiers, which is the only woman-owned climate bond initiative approved verifier in the world. That's a mouthful, but what a great accomplishment, Dana. So, Dana, we've already talked a lot about the sustainability bond market this year as the investment amount has been gradually increasing. In Q3 alone, sustainable finance bonds totaled $154.8 $154.8 billion, and that's even up 13% compared to the second quarter of 2022, and more than double the proceeds registered during the third quarter of 2019, and that's all according to Refinitiv's Sustainable Finance Review Report, which, by the way, you can download using the link in the episode description. But Dana, I really want to start with point A. Could you help us understand why defining important concepts and having alignment on definitions is so important as it relates to the sustainability bond universe?
1: For sure, Kisa, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm happy to participate in trying to clarify some of these terms. So let's start by just understanding the greater terminology of sustainable investing. That term is just used very broadly to describe strategies that aim to maximize social good and financial returns. But when we get into sustainability bonds specifically, I narrowed it down to four uh, definitions. Um, So, as, as was stated in previous episodes, the International Capital Markets Association, the ICMA, has written guidelines for the green bond principles, social bond principles, and when you put green plus social, you get sustainability bonds. And each of those items have to adhere to the four pillars that the ICMA set forth. So, it's use of proceeds, process for project evaluation and selection, management of proceeds, and reporting. And so whether, uh, so green plus social equals sustainability bonds. The second type would be sustainability linked bonds or SLBs. These are a type of bond instrument where the financial and or structural characteristics can actually vary depending on whether the issuer achieves predefined sustainability or ESG objectives. So basically, if they fail to meet the targets that they set forth, a trigger will occur and a step-up coupon will happen where they actually have to pay investors more if they don't meet their objectives. The third type would be a sustainable development goal-linked bond, also a mouthful, where these deals are targeted to hit – the 17 UN SDGs or or a few of them. So the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals cover topics such as poverty, hunger, healthcare, um, equality, affordable and clean energy, climate action, and so on. And the fourth type, and there are many now, so the fourth type would be what are called sustainable development bonds. And these are simply bonds that are issued directly by the World Bank. Love that you
0: were able to really break that down very clearly for, for us. So the four different types. I want to get into a bit of a deeper level of detail now that we have um, clarity on what each of the four types are, Dana. Could we talk a bit more in detail about deal types. And so we talked about what the bonds look to accomplish, what these different tools look to accomplish. Let's talk about deal types in context of what the bonds look to accomplish.
1: Sure thing. So starting with number one, ICMA sustainability bond. So keeping in mind, this is a bond that has a green component plus a social benefit. So a great example would be affordable housing. Um, New York City Housing Development Corporation has issued sustainability bonds. And this is where the green component would be the building itself uh, met LEED certification standards for energy efficiency and environmental considerations. And then, of course, the social component being that these buildings serve the most vulnerable of New Yorkers. Um, Number two, sustainability linked bonds. Again, this is where the coupon steps up. If the issuer does not meet their targets. So in deals past, we saw the step up coupon offering at 25 basis points. However, more recently, Chanel, the luxury apparel brand, increased their offering to be 50 to 75 basis points step up if they fail to meet their renewable and emissions targets. The third type would be sustainable development goal-linked bonds, again, related to the 17 UN SDGs. In September of this year, Mexico became the first sovereign to sell a bond of this type. Um, the transaction totaled $890 million. It's a seven-year bond. And those funds will be dispersed throughout Mexico to serve programs that combat issues such as literacy, um, school attendance rates, health services, and um, the absence of electricity in some areas of the country. And finally, the fourth type, sustainable development bonds issued by the World Bank. Earlier this year, the World Bank raised a record-breaking $8 billion, and these funds will be used to support their member countries specifically for COVID response measures. So $40 million will go to Lebanon for purchasing medical equipment, and a billion of it will be going to India to expand their laboratory capacity and increase training.
0: Wow, those are some large numbers. And so my first thought is, can we expect to see this market increase? Do you think it's reached a certain inflection point? What are your thoughts about where the market's going to go as we see such large numbers? Can we really expect expansion
1: here? Yeah, Kisa, that's a really interesting question. Um, Certainly no one can predict the future, but there's a couple of factors here. We are at the beginning of the largest transfer of wealth in human history. So as younger investors are inheriting money and coming into their own money, they're making their investment decisions, not just based on returns, but on social benefit. So I think the demand is certainly not slowing down, nor is the need. Um, we, We see real global issues happening, fire, floods, sea level rises, climate related issues. Um, so between the need and, and the investor demand, I really do see that this is going to continue on an upward trajectory. Um, it's a bit hard to quantify because deals are, are sometimes not tracked as sustainable, uh, and there isn't one central repository yet to track um, and monitor these deals. But according to different sources, the market could um, be up anywhere from 15 to some predictions are as high as 50%.
0: So let's talk about this in the context of current events, specifically current events that we're seeing in the US. With the Biden-Harris administration specifically, we've talked about commitments in the past that we're seeing from that administration. Do you expect Dana to see um, there to be a huge expansion in the initial say months after the new administration takes over. Do you see certain benchmarks happening after a certain period of time? Tell us about your thought about the next four years, what they look like and at what periods we can see expansion over those four years and why?
1: That's a great and timely question, Kisa. Thank you. Um, Yeah, the president-elect has made it really clear that his administration fully intends to reestablish America as a leader in combating climate change. So I think the swift appointment of John Kerry as climate envoy sends the message that the U.S. is really devoted to climate change, not just domestically, but also as it pertains to foreign policy. Um, you know, he acknowledges that this is going to take the combined efforts of many governmental agencies. So the leaders that he's in the process of selecting for agencies such as the EPA, uh, these are individuals who are really well known as environmental advocates and folks that have spent their entire lives and careers dedicated to these issues. Um, so we should see some real change coming out of these agencies. Um As for longer-term benchmarks or goals over the next four years, well, first off, he has stated that we are going to re-enter the Paris Climate Agreement, and this agreement aims to reduce greenhouse gas emissions worldwide Uh, Sadly, we're actually the second largest emitter after China. So for the U.S. to renew our pledge um, really sends a strong message. Uh, Our benchmark is that we aim to reduce emissions by 27% by the year 2025. So I think that these early decisions really demonstrate that this administration wants to restore our reputation as it pertains to combating climate change. And that we want to move forward and be seen as a country that leads by example.
0: So, in terms of leading by example, that's a really great intro. One of the areas clearly that the administration is focusing on, um, in addition to some of these others around the economy, is the pandemic and really ensuring that we can get that under control. I'm wondering as it relates to the pandemic in context of social bonds, are you seeing trends that are sustainable um, in the area of pandemics? I say that because um, outside of the U.S. and what we've seen over the past several months, we know that there have been pandemic um, financial tools that have been used globally for a very long time. So even though this might be something new to certain regions in the U.S., it's something that's existed for a while. So what are your thoughts about the pandemic-related bonds as we move forward?
1: Yeah, um, what a huge topic, right? So this, this subject spans so many asset classes. We're talking about sovereign response, supranational. Uh, such as the Asian Development Bank. We're talking about corporate bonds, and we're certainly talking about US municipality bonds, which is my particular specialty. So uh, we mentioned earlier that the World Bank already issued that $8 billion uh, transaction to help combat um, COVID and help struggling countries with their efforts. But to bring it back to the US, we have over 56,000 municipalities here um, from the city, town, local uh, local county uh, levels, all all the way up to um, school districts and transportation systems, airports. These entities are all severely impacted by the loss of tax revenues, um, revenues related to tourism, hotel taxes, sales taxes, and then the transportation industry, of course, severely impacted from airports and mass transit to commuter transportation systems. So the like in New York, the MTA, both the Metro North, kind of the daily commuter train system, as well as the subway system. All of these systems obviously need money to operate on a daily basis and without the revenues coming in, they will need support from the federal government. They will need to issue more debt. And so if the debt that they're issuing has any uh, criteria that meet the standards for social uh, green or sustainability bonds, certainly we'll see more issuance in those fields. Well,
0: Dana, so also I know that in many cases there, we're talking about some of the benefits and what we expect to see in the future from a positive perspective, but we know that there are issues that have really been around for a long period of time. I want to name some of those issues and just get your first um, response in terms of what's being done around them. First of all, transparency. What's being done around greater transparency and providing that?
1: Yeah, transparency definitely continues to evolve in this space. And I think three things are going to really help. Um, One is going to be policy, regulation, rulemaking. Um, Two is going to be disclosure and reporting. And three is going to be um, data consistency. So on one um, policy regulation. So whether that's going to be the SEC, the European Commission or the MSRB in the municipal space, um, I think any rules set forth are really just going to make it easier for investors to identify sustainable investments and ensure that those investments are credible. Uh, number two, disclosure and reporting um, by the issuers. So if the issuers are reporting annually, If they're continuing to provide updates on the progress of their projects and the use of proceeds, um, I think that will give investors um, greater peace of mind. And then number three. Um, data consistency. So, for example, um, if you were to Google search right now um, just how many sustainability bonds were issued last year, you're going to find different numbers from different sources. Um, At IHS Market, we have a deal origination system for U.S. municipal bonds that pretty much every deal coming to the market um, enters through our system. So, we've added fields to the screen um, where deals will fill out, you know, is this um, being labeled as a green social sustainability or climate bond? Yes, no. Um, Did this deal adhere to international standards such as the ICMA or climate bonds initiative? You know, yes, no. Um, Did this deal self-label or did they hire a verifier which provides a second party opinion? Um, So capturing that data at origination and being able to then compile that into database of such I think um, will definitely help provide uh, greater transparency into the marketplace.
0: And let's talk about consistency, too. I noticed you got there. I really wanted to go through that consistent reporting. You started talking about that. But how is that going to be rectified, do you feel, in the future?
1: Yeah, consistency will have to be addressed with a variety of solutions. And again, tough question because I think those solutions are going to end up being very sector specific. But to name a few items, um, I think uh, addressing frameworks. um, There are so many frameworks out there right now that I think... We'd like to see some coalescing around a few frameworks. Um, same thing with ESG scoring providers, and then also I think the market would like to see um, approved verifiers and second-party opinions on more transactions, um, and finally establishing universal reporting standards. And again, those standards could be sector specific, but just that every every issuer in that sector report in the same way. So, for example, here in the U.S., I'm on the GFOA committee uh, working group trying to establish ESG reporting um, guidance for U.S. municipalities. And this is challenging because um, we have to make this guidance useful for um, every level of issuer. And there are about 56,000 issuers here in the U.S., ranging from very small. um, Um, towns and villages, all the way up to highly complex um, cities and and at the state levels. So finding um, a way to have them all report in a consistent and manageable way is a challenge, but we do hope to have that guidance uh, forthcoming. So hopefully if we address um, some of these factors, the market will start to see some greater consistency in this space.
0: And in terms of keeping with the theme around your initial thoughts, what is your initial thought around aligning incentives for both investors and and issuers as well? Tell us about how we can see that taking shape in the near term.
1: Yeah, that is a super interesting question because, you know, initially you have investors wanting to do good with their money. You know, just take your own, your own personal money, for example. If you had the choice to invest in a, uh, a tobacco company or renewable energy company, you know, that's a personal choice. But where's the financial incentive there? And then as well as for the issuer side of the equation, if you're an issuer, uh, what incentive are you given to issue a green bond or a sustainability bond versus a, a not? so what came to my mind and and it's been discussed widely uh here in the us uh, many of us that have been around long enough remember the build america bonds program the babs program which obama had put into place through the american uh, recovering reinvestment act and this program provided tax credits or subsidies to bondholders and and to issuers so Uh, the interest rates that the issuers had to pay were subsidized, lowering the cost of borrowing for the issuer. And then on the other side, um, the investor was offered a tax credit. So when there's real money involved and there's a financial incentive to do good things with your money, um, that really aligns the motives of both sides of the equation. And Dana,
0: why should investors now feel confident around the sustainability shift? What should really influence an investor to choose this sustainability bond or this sustainability tool or asset as part of their portfolio mix?
1: this is really the perfect question to conclude on because I feel like it encompasses just about everything we've talked about today. So what could influence an investor to choose a sustainability bond? Well, back to the first four definitions we talked about, um, perhaps they feel strongly about the 17 UN SDGs. Um, perhaps they want a combination of green plus social benefit. And so they should look for that ICMA label as far as feeling confident. Um, Many of the things we talked about today, um, disclosure, looking for issuers who report annually, um, also uh, looking for um, transactions that may have an ESG score on them and being able to compare investments um, in that peer group. Looking for sustainability investments that have used internationally established frameworks should give greater confidence, um, as well as, you know, deals that used uh, approved verifiers and have second party opinions. And then finally... On the subject of data and technology, investors have an incredible amount of tools and data that they can use to um, select investments that they feel comfortable with and that are aligned with their values. So you can actually um, use exclusionary practices such as I do not want to be invested in weapons manufacturers or fossil fuels and I do want to be invested in renewable energy or clean water projects. So I feel that the momentum in the sustainability bond market is only going to continue to to move forward. Um, Again, circling back to a topic of today, I think the incoming administration is going to be very supportive of this space, and um, it's going to be a really exciting four years to see how this sector evolves.
0: Great. That has been been such an informative um, conversation, Dana. So first of all, and most importantly, the different types of the definitions for these different types of assets, sustainability bonds, you have green plus social. I love the way you say that, that equals a sustainability bond. Then secondly, we talked about sustainability linked bonds and the Performance penalties that are attached to that, i.e. If, there, if there's a failure to meet certain targets, a trigger occurs, and then there is a payment um, that has to be made to investors. They get paid more. Um, very clear. Next, sustainable development goal linked bonds. Um, sustainable development gold-linked bonds, SDGs referenced there, bonds that really look to hit 17 SDGs that are called out by the UN, Um, and then finally really getting an understanding of sustainable development bonds and really getting the gist that this is something that we expect to see on the uptick. We've seen lots of growth over the last couple of years, but with the pandemic, with the change in the administration, and basically with everything that we see going on now in the economy, we do expect people to raise the flag around social needs. We do expect for consumers to continue to see social bonds and social issues as important. And those things will drive consuming sustainable and sustainability bonds. Dana, thank you so much for your time.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you for
0: having me. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.